And I call them devils, these kidney devils, right? This is any team, truthfully, I mean, hand in heart, any team who can plot and implement and take down clear at the moment, I, I do think it's kidney. Join myself, Willow Callahan, along with James Skehill and Paul Murphy for the best insight this hurling season. The Koi Gig Pod and OTB Sports in association with Cadbury. A player and a half deserves a glass and a half of support. Everyone ran their socks off tonight and they left everything out there. They're very proud of the, the team's performance. Let the shackles off Katie a bit so that she can go and play her game. We're going to go out there to beat them. We're going to try and beat them. Hello there and welcome back to episode 26 of the Koi Gig Pod on OTB Sports. I'm Kathleen McNamee and back by my side is the one and only Karen Duggan. You've missed us all, I'm sure, the last couple of weeks, Karen, that we haven't been able to have our classic chats. I've missed you terribly, Kathleen. (laughs) Well, I've been lucky enough to hear you on Off the Ball a couple of times doing other slots and I was like, she's cheating on me with the last. It's not the same without you, Kathleen. It means nothing to me. (laughs) That's good to know. That's good to know. And I'll be keeping you on your toes in the next few weeks with the Euros coming up anyways. So I'll get my revenge. But we've been on a break, but the Women's National League wasn't for part of that time. You were still playing some interesting matches. How have you been finding the season so far? Um, next question. Why are you starting off like this? Come on. It's supposed to be a happy return. Um, <laughs> well, you did beat Sligo in that time. So there is, let's just there is let's focus on that one. That was the last one before the <laughs> mid-season break. Yeah. Well, I have to say we went down to Sligo. Um, it was my first time being down there. It's an unbelievable setup. And I think the girls team is going to go from strength to strength down there. Um, there's great interest. There was loads of young girls out at the match. It was actually probably one of my favourite games, not just because of the result, but the pitch, the setup. Um, it's just really, really nice down there. So it was pleasantly surprised. And I thought it was further away than it is. So it <laughs> might get me back there at some point. But otherwise, yeah, in terms of P-Mount, very, very mixed bag. We had a, a big dip there in in the, the middle of the, the second round, or just at the start of the second round of the Women's National League, I suppose. Um, but in general, I think that that's been the theme throughout. We've seen Shelburne drop a couple of points just before the mid-season break, and they're obviously losing Jessu, Saoirse Noonan now. So there's opportunity for other teams to come through. It's definitely not going to be a two-horse race. Um, you'd be forgiven for thinking that Shelburne might run away with this, but um, given the way some of the results have gone, they've been pretty unpredictable. So I wouldn't be putting my house on it, um, but I certainly wouldn't be putting my house on PMMT. <laughs> Um, yeah don't take betting advice on this podcast yeah you know what happened it was that we stopped talking and then people went down and that, that this was is it. the I problem I needed the motivation of you slagging me every week to get good results and just imploded without that <laughs> no it has and I think you are right like I because I've been back in London the last while and the Euros have been ramping up I probably haven't been following the WNL as closely as I was beforehand but I know there's been a couple of times I've checked results and I've been like wait what what's happening and watch back highlights and stuff it seems to be good for the kind of what what you predicted as well kind of going into this league like you Mm -hmm. said at the start that you didn't think it was going to be a one horse race by any means and if anything the way the season ended just showed that there are more teams that are going to be more I I think that's going to be the the case for a long time because we are going to be a feeder league for professional leagues um So if one team is doing well, that team is going to get attention. Their individual superstars are going to get attention. We're going to see them move abroad. And to be fair, it's paying fruition when it comes to our international team. Like they're firing on all cylinders despite being out of season, most of them. um, And just shows that the level that some of the girls are reaching and 
a lot of those have come through the ranks of the, the Women's National League. So I guess long way to continue. I'd love to see the league here grow in itself. But at the moment, I think that um, we're happy to be that kind of feeder league and keep developing the talent. And it's definitely coming through and it's making for some interesting games here domestically. So hopefully the, the some of the crowds um, that we're seeing and the international scene will start to trickle down into the league because that's obviously going to help the growth. And it's really being helped by the likes of Sligo coming into the league and I think we're going to have Shamrock Rovers in there soon and those fan bases we've already seen it with Shelburne what, what it can do for a team so um, yeah watch this space when it comes to Women's National League don't know what we'll be talking about in a few weeks time when it comes to it we could be top of the league bottom of the league I don't know <laughs> but that'll make for great content for the podcast well, well that's why we do it that's why that's we do important. it the thing that's most important yes. well, you mentioned that Ireland game there and that fact that we had a very good result against Georgia another nice little win with lots of goals which we will take but before we go into our little review of that a bit of a sneak peek as to what's coming for the rest of the summer and this is of course the Quigig Pod No Tweet Sports in association with Cabri FC official snack partner to the Republic of Ireland women's national team and we've had our break and we're back and we're buzzing for the Euros which start next week I'm not as buzzing for the lack of sleep I know I'm going to get over the next month, but for the actual football, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, And we're also going back twice a week during the tournament. So not only will we be getting one pod, you'll be getting two every Tuesday and Friday throughout the group stages and after each round of the knockouts. We'll be ready and waiting for you with an early morning recording to set you up for your day. Now, you will have to forgive Karen and I at various stages. Uh, I don't think either of us have ever confessed to be morning people, but we will do. I think I'm grumpy in the evening. (laughs) Just wait. You are in for a treat. I know it's it's going to be interesting but I actually think it'll make for much better listening for all of you people at home because we'll just be ready and willing to say whatever we think is going on and they'll be very my filter doesn't kick in until about 3 p.m so exactly and for the ultimate question Karen are you more excited for the tournament or more excited that we get to do this twice a week Kathleen, I told you this is number one (laughs) I talk about the weather with you twice a week (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, But yeah, we will do a bit of a full preview of the tournament later on in the podcast. But first, we do have the very important matter of potentially qualifying for a World Cup, which even just saying those words sends a little shiver up my spine of general excitement. Um, Not quite the 11-0 that we had back in November, but we will also take 9-0. That's quite nice. And it's always great to see six different scorers on the score sheet as well. What are your thoughts at the final whistle? I mean, it's it's all very positive. Um, Georgia, they were missing a few in Tala, so we were kind of like, oh, did that play into to the results, that, that record result that we got in Tala that day? Um, but no, look, Georgia, there were no opposition, but Ireland had a, a job to do, a very professional job to do. And, and in years gone by, we wouldn't have put a team to the sword like that. And for me, that's the most important thing, that we become a more clinical team that we don't let up. Um, because I think that that could be a theme as we go into those September fixtures against Finland and Slovakia. If we do go one up, it's time to push on. Whereas in previous years, we would have retreated. We would have gotten nervous. And we saw a bit of that in the home game against Slovakia. So I hope that this is kind of like um, the blueprint of, of how to go about it. If you are the better team, prove you're the better team for 90 minutes, not just 45 minutes or until you score a goal. Um, but all really positive. Like you say, six goal scorers, um, kind of a variety in the goals. 
Again, we were very successful from set pieces. And I think that's still going to be a massive outlet for us going forward. So it's good that they had that 10-day training camp and got to work on some of those things. And Vera Pell got good contact time with a lot of players. Um, Not enough, though. She wasn't happy with the time she had going into it. (laughs) And it wouldn't be like our Vera not to be happy about something like that. Yeah, sure. She'd have them playing every second week if she could. I don't know. She's trying to compare them to Sweden, who were obviously like <laughs> Olympic finalists. I was like, come on now, Vera. Come on now. We're not doing too bad. Um, but yeah, a 10 day warm weather camp. Um, it didn't it didn't make them lethargic in any way. If anything, it was it was probably needed because, like I said, a lot of the WSL is on a break. So um, a lot of the girls are out of season uh, and it didn't really show in the game today, albeit that the opposition was was fairly minimal now. Yeah, the opposition was poor and the playing conditions weren't great as well. I know people talked beforehand about the temperature wasn't really an issue for the match. I think it was like 18 to 22 degrees for most of it, but the pitch was in rag enough order. And I did feel for the Georgia keeper just in the sense that like what she was working with, she was being absolutely hammered. And then she was standing in a pit of sand for most of the, like no wonder that your positioning is a bit off whenever you're trying to avoid that as well. She was their best player. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, yeah, I know. I did feel sorry for her. She pulled off some good saves. I mean, she had that one that Katie McCabe hit a rasper in the first half. Um, what I thought was really positive, though, was that we were talking about some different players after the game because mm-hmm. we knew that Kate, we always talk about Katie McCabe and Denise O'Sullivan because they are that kind of cut above the rest. But for me, Megan Connolly and Jess Sue were really the standout players. And that's really encouraging because I do think we're going to have to get more comfortable in terms of playing the ball and holding the ball up. And I thought that Megan really conducted the play really well. Um, She kind of set the tone and Jess Sue was finding fantastic pockets in between the the midfield and and the strikers. So I think that we're going to see a little bit of a change in personnel. Um, I think that Jess Sue has, for me, she has staked her claim for a starting position. And does that mean then that maybe... Rusha Littlejohn drops a little deeper, or does it mean that Rusha won't play and Jamie will Jamie Finn will come back in? Um, there's some questions there to be asked um, for for Vera going forward, which of course is a brilliant thing. We saw Lily Ag as well. She came on, she was player of the match in that friendly game um, that we saw them play against the Philippines during the week. So for once it's it's a nice headache that Vera has. Mm, yeah, and it's great as well to know that we actually do have that depth because I think we've spent so many years worrying that one player will get injured. And obviously, if it is a McCabe or a Sullivan, it is going to make a massive difference. But to know that we have it in other places is great as well. I thought it's interesting you picked out Jesse because I was watching her for quite a lot of the match. A lot as well because she is obviously moving over to the WSL. And it was just the way she was able to find her little bit of space. And when I was watching her, I was like, that just looks like a player as well that's really going to benefit from changing over to the WSL. There were a few times where like, the Georgia players were maybe just getting a bit more physical with her, a bit more muscly, and she didn't quite have the like strength to hold them off in the way that I thought some of the other players did. But in terms of the spaces she was getting herself into, she was well easy when she had the ball at her feet to dip and duck a- around them. So I think that's a really exciting prospect for yeah, when the season starts. Interesting, like when we interviewed her on this podcast and when she talked about how much she analyzes the game, you can kind of tell it because her game intelligence for someone that young was really plain to see. And like you say, maybe there's a bit of physicality lacking, but that's that's definitely going to come in that full-time professional environment. And she's so quick and, and so aware and she was brave as well. She she rode those challenges really well. So I think big, bright future for her. And I, I think it starts now. I think that she's definitely um, 
a player that's that's going to be knocking on Vera's door. She's going to be in her thoughts going forward. And I think if we're to go out and try and win those games, I would have her on the starting on the starting lineup. Yeah. Something Lisa Fallon was talking about on the RT commentary, she was almost giving off about the squad at some stages that they were kind of trying things that they maybe wouldn't try against tougher opponents. And she was saying, you know, these are the matches where you establish, you know, patterns and rhythms and good habits. I know uh, Risha tried a few like little back heels to Katie every so often. And there was a few times where just passes were getting sloppy, particularly just before the end of the first half. Do you think that's something that, Vera will be focusing on or looking to the team and saying, why were you trying that? Because even there was a few times where I know Megan Conley was great, but like took kind of wide out shots that there wasn't that much going at the time. And probably if we had built the play up a tiny bit more and had that little bit more patience, we could have fashioned something, especially considering the opposition. Yeah, you can look at it like that. Um, We're probably not going to try those things against a better opposition this is the time to try them. I mean, the, it's it's high risk, high reward in a game like this. Like, there's there's not they were never going to counter attack and and score. So, if we're to get used to adding a bit of flair to our game, if we're to get to that next level where we are comfortable on, on the ball and we do have an air of confidence against teams that we should be beating, the likes of Slovakia, this was the time to to try it and yeah you can nitpick and say okay if she hadn't done that we might have got a 10th goal but for me again in terms of development this is the time to try it um I never mind a, a player trying a bit of skill if it's done in the right areas and to be fair it wasn't done down near Courtney Brosnan's box so um yeah you can, you can look at it probably wasn't Rusha's best game but for me she's such a technical player and in a game like Slovakia in particular, where we want to keep the ball and establish good patterns of play. The fact that she's a more confident player, um, I think that that filters throughout the whole team and I would have her on on the pitch as well, just for the air of calmness that she would bring. I don't think she will try that against Slovakia. She's clever enough not to do it. So um, I, I didn't really have a problem with it. I'm sure Vera will use that as an excuse to maybe drop someone or, or nitpick something in analysis, but that's all you're doing. You're just trying to pick something apart there to, to justify having an analysis session on that Georgia game. For me, I would just use it as what it was. It was another game. Um, international minutes under the belt and move on. To, it's going to be a much sterner test as they move forward. But yeah, let them have their fun. Mm. It would be remiss of us as well not to mention our first international goals that came tonight for what I loved. I just thought it was like two very opposite dimensions yeah. of the team. And Nifang, 104 caps, and Abby Larkin just coming on, 17-year-old. getting. Her, and I loved how much everyone celebrated both. You know, mm-hmm. the team were totally invested in both players for the... Um, for their goals. For you, what's it like kind of watching that? I suppose it's a generational shift in a way and it kind of yeah. highlights, you know, the achievements that Nifahi has and then also the exciting talent that we have coming up the other end. Yeah, I, I couldn't have been happier for, for Nifahi, to be fair. <laughs> 104 games, she's probably gone up for every corner since she made her debut. I wish we had a camera, like a live camera on you in the Orchies studios when you saw that goal coming oh I just burst out laughing to be fair like (laughs) because if you've waited so long for a goal and it should have been disallowed it was a blatant handball that nearly makes it all the better Um, (laughs) the fact that it was such a 
<laughs> a weird and wonderful goal. It absolutely reflects Neve Flahey as a person. Um, uh, yeah, I just burst out laughing. It was brilliant. Uh, but no one deserves it more. And like she deserves a goal after all the service she's given she deserves to be celebrated in that way and you can tell by the way everyone reacted that they were so happy for her um, to finally get that one over the line and similarly with Abby anytime anyone gets their first goal it's a huge deal and even if it was the eighth goal of the game the girls all celebrated it because they know what a huge thing it is I don't think I ever even hit the target or took a shot maybe so (laughs) like for her to come on her fourth ever cap first competitive start and get a goal it's going to do her confidence the world of good. Um, and she looks like a player who Vera will look to utilise going forward. So um, she's shown now that she can find the back of the net and it's brilliant, as did Louise Quinn, who's still up there as one of our top goal scorers. So I thought she was going to get the hat-trick today. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was brilliant to see all of the different goal scorers that happened today, but particularly happy for Nifai. Yeah, no, I thought it was because I was tweeting during the match and just when I saw like someone put a header, I didn't like I wasn't quite looking at the screen when it happened and I just saw a header at the back post and I was like, it was Louise Quinn. It had to be. There's no one else that it was. You don't need to look up even when you're crossing the ball, you know, she'll be there like so. Yeah, (laughs) but yeah, and I, I thought it was impressive to see like Larkin and Ag come into the team and just show I know it is Georgia. It's not the top opponents that you could face, but just there was a confidence in the way they were playing and there was they were very happy to get themselves in those goal scoring positions and give it a go. Like Larkin's goal, it was an it was a very nice cross in placed on her head, but she still had a bit to do to actually direct it in with the header. And like I just think it was impressive performances from them. And like you said, is it gonna give Vera Powell more headaches down the line when she is looking at who she can throw on? And we didn't have to wait until the 80th minute as well for Vera to make substitutions tonight. Yeah, she actually did it on the 60th. I still... Why weren't five subs, mate? Yeah. (laughs) opportunity there to give two more girls caps, give two more girls confidence, have them buzzing going home on the plane tomorrow. Like if I had one criticism of the day, apart from some a few sloppy passes here and there, it would be that we didn't utilise the five subs. Um like there is still two big, big games to come up and like, you're not going to change your backline, but you might be, it might be a game for Saoirse Noonan. It might be someone like Roman McLaughlin who needs to like unpick a, a, a tougher defence. Um, so I think that, that that's w- one little blip uh, on, <laughs> on today's record, but look, we, we'll try not to be too negative. We'll leave that for the morning sessions. I think this might be a, a world record where you have only one little blip and what Vera Powell did tactically for a match. <laughs> give me some more time. I'm very fresh after coming off the back of it. If you give me more time to analyse it, I'm sure I'll come up with a few more. I'll definitely get back to you. And you mentioned, like, we all know the next games coming up are the ones that we really need to perform well in. And you mentioned the fact that Vera would have a headache. For you, What what's the ideal starting side? for those games? I mean, your keeper and your back three remains the same. I think she's going to stick with Heather Payne wing back. I think she likes having pace out wide, She's, which will mean she'll stick with Katie <laughs> left wing back. And you know how I feel about that. I don't think that was ever going to change anyway. No, it's not <laughs> ever going to change, but we do have Megan Campbell to come back into the fold. Sure. So that there could be between herself and Diane for that left-sided centre-back position. Or 
God willing, <laughs> we'd put Katie up a bit higher and maybe have Megan on, on that left side. I don't I don't know if that will be the case. We'll have to wait and see. I think it will stay the same. I think Megan Connolly will play in that deep lion role. I think Denise and Rusha. Okay. Um no, sorry, I'm changing it. Heather will go back up front, uh, back up front. <laughs> I think possibly Lucy Quinn could take that right-sided um, role. I think when she came on, she kept the width very well there. Mm. Um, so then that will have Heather up top, Jess Zoo in behind her with Denise and Megan in the okay. center. Yeah, I think that if we want to keep the ball, possibly Rusha or Jess, they might be tossing it up for that higher... Uh, midfield role um, but I think we want to keep the ball and if we have ambitions of going to win this game which I think we should against Finland because it really just takes the pressure off the last game we don't want another Ukraine situation we can get that playoff spot in the bag in Tala on the 1st of September so let's go and do that um, I think that gives us our best chance because we will have Heather's pace up front we'll have the strength Megan can sh- has shown she's brilliant defensively um, and Katie and and Lucy are very, very strong on those widths. So for me, that's the team I see her going with. Although she saved Jamie Finn today because of her yellow cards for that game, so I could be completely off. Yeah, I was going to ask you then, are there many that you see coming, the big talking points before the games, before, you know, Vera had released, well, not a statement, but she was talking to RT about the fact that Jamie Finn was saved because the other card most people thought she was going to be in the squad a lot of people thought Stephanie Roach was going to be there as well if not starting at least somewhere on the bench yeah well the Steph one is is mad to me that you'd call her in after three years start her against Philippines give her that long and then not have her in the squad particularly in a game where you're going to be playing to her strength her thing is going linking up the play bringing other players into the play um it wasn't a game for Amber Barrett. For me, the Finland game would be a better game for her, playing off the shoulder, running into those channels. That's not Steph's game. Um, Steph's game would have been today. So yeah, it was it was that was an interesting call. The Jamie Finn one I do understand because Jamie has performed really, really well in that defensive role. Um she's she's not a player that is ever gonna set the world on fire in terms of her attacking play. But when she's needed to fill gaps, she's done that excellently. And if you need to someone who's going to man mark and put their body on the line, Jamie will definitely do that. She's what you call just a wholehearted midfielder. So I think she'd be, she's definitely still on Vera's mind. I think that this it was just a protection thing because there's no other reason why you wouldn't have had Jamie in the squad today. Um, maybe not the starting lineup because like I said, you wanted more flair up top. But for mm-hmm. me, she's more than earned her place in that squad. Yeah, definitely. I think that was the most talked about thing until everyone realised it was just because of our yellow card yeah. tally. Um, well, of course, another successful evening. We're not quite as buzzed as we were when we did this the first time around, but you know, maybe we're just getting used to these big goal trashings. And if this is what it feels like, I'm very happy to get used to it. Yeah, I could get used to it. <laughs> Now, despite what many people are saying and giving off about the fact that the World Cup is in the winter this year and there's no summer being or no football being played this summer, there is, of course, the women's Euros, uh, which are happening in England in kind of across the country. There's actually quite a the first time when I looked at it, I didn't think there was actually as many games up north and towards the Midlands as there is, but it's pretty well spread out. Um, it gets underway next Wednesday, July 6th, with England playing Austria in Old Trafford, which is a sellout match. Which, exciting, can't wait to see it. I was down in St. George's Park last 
Tuesday now. Nice little 10 hour round trip in the car, nice. like an hour of talking to the England players in 33 degree heat. I, I could tell you I was a happy woman by the end of the day. <laughs> Not um, as happy as the English players. Yeah, they were in great form. And this was pre them beating Netherlands as well. So I, actually, I was in Wolverhampton the week before watching them play Belgium. And again, very, very impressive. Kind of hate to ask you this question, but is it coming home? Oh, God, <laughs> don't. I'm, I'm not willing to to say yes. I'm just not willing to. Um <laughs> It could come home. I, But at the same time, it is all set up for them to implode. Oh, I yeah. Mean, home advantage, <laughs> absolutely firing on all cylinders, world-class players. It is set up for them to implode, particularly after putting five past the Netherlands. There's even more attention on them now. That's even going to generate more hype. And we, the English love hype anyway. So that, that we'll see how they react to it. Do they have the players with a strong enough mentality to ride that. We haven't seen it from their men's team ever. Um, so it, it would be up to the women to do it. it. It's coming to a semi-final. I see them certainly getting to a semi-final. The final has eluded them quite often. Mm-hmm. Um, there are other teams who I would have pipped going into this as winners. I can see them getting to a semi, absolutely no problem, possibly even a final but I'm not willing to admit that it's coming home yet. They have a tough, they don't, they have a weird group. They, they have a group yeah, that they it is a group. easily enough. They have a group that, like they have Austria, Norway and Northern Ireland. I mean, yeah, they're group A. Straightforward so. for them. Yeah. Well, you think like the Norway game in particular is mm-hmm. probably the one that most people are looking at and saying that, you know, with the sort of firepower that Norway have, that it should yeah, be it's, well, it's a new firepower because Norway coming into this didn't they have the least amount of goals um, scored or, or something like that but now they've got literally the best striker in the world back and yeah. she hasn't wasted any time Ada Herderberg getting back and getting on the score sheet I mean she scored again at the weekend um, after so, her and, first appearance back wasn't it that she got I, it was against like small opposition but even still it doesn't matter <laughs> if they had a bit of a goal drought that's only going to like boost them and I do think England have knocked Norway out I think I read a good few times out of these kind of major mm-hmm. tournaments so maybe they'll have a bit of grudge I'm sure there'll be a few good tackles in that game yeah um, I do think England have the quality though to 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 win out it, that group I mean Austria and Northern Ireland should be straightforward to them. I'd love, I'd love uh, a fairy tale story where Northern Ireland actually put it off to these big guns. But what an achievement them even getting there in the first place! So I'm really looking forward to seeing them. I feel like we'll all have their back. I think a lot of people will be rooting for the underdogs. So I'm looking forward to seeing Northern Ireland play, but I do think that it will end at the group stages for them. Yeah, and even in a very simple thing in the build-up, I thought the video that they put out today for their squad announcement was impressive. You know, it's obvious that the FA are putting a bit of money behind the squad and saying, you know, we support you. There's a really nice animated video of all the players. And you could just imagine even in like 20 years time, some of those players looking at that video, knowing that they got to their first ever major tournament and the excitement that comes the week or the week and a half before you actually make it there. I think you're right about England. Like the thing I found really interesting talking to a lot of players, I mean, it was so obvious that they were all media trained to say, you know, we're really excited and it's really great, but we don't, you know, anything can happen in these things. And we want oh, to. Oh, so boring. Tell us what you really feel. 
yeah, come on. I want someone to come out and say, yeah, we're going to win it. I want yeah. to just come out and say, yeah, we have best squad ever. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, it's, it's a dream to win it and all these sort of things. And I thought what was interesting about the Belgium game, obviously this wasn't really a case with Netherlands where like if you put five goals past Netherlands, you know you're doing something right. But it took England a really long time despite how much possession of the ball they had to actually get some of their shots off. And it was only when they made some subs around the hour mark, like players like Chloe Kelly and stuff came on, like that they really started ticking along. And I don't know, does that say as much about the squad that Wiegmann is likely to pick when it actually gets to the matches? Or is it just that they are still kind of maybe warming up into the tournament? But I also quite enjoyed all the commentary around the Netherlands match about the fact that it was a Dutch manager over an England team and then a English manager over a Dutch team and England was wearing orange and the Dutch yeah. were wearing white. That was even when I was watching it myself, I had to keep like recalibrating my brain. But it feels like with this England squad, a lot of the players are going in in a really good place. You know, Lucy Bronze has just had that big move. Frank Kirby says that she feels like much better than she did in months. And when Frank Kirby is firing well. It, it's a good place to be in. Chloe Kelly, Lauren Hemp, I, that it, Belgium game was the first time I ever saw Lauren Hemp play live. And it was just like even better than all the other times I'd watched her on TV. You know, just the way she finds pockets of space, the way that she is able to control the ball, the way that she is able to just have the confidence for a 21-year-old. Yeah, to I mean, if she continues the form that she showed in the WSL, she's... <laughs> She's gonna like feature in talking about player of the tournament. She's she's yeah. been that good this year, so you don't want to put too much pressure on her shoulders. You'd hope that some of the senior players would take that on, and just she'd have the uh, she just have the freedom to go and play. And that's the that's the beauty of being that young, though, as well. You don't feel like there's any pressure. Yeah, exactly. And then in the next group, we have Group B. There's Denmark, Finland, Germany and Spain. Spain, a lot of people are tipping to be, you know, one of the, not necessarily underdogs, but kind of up-and-comers, Bucky's favourites for the tournament. They, I wasn't fully convinced by it, but their lead into the tournament has been quite impressive. I mean, they had that massive win against Australia and then they also beat Italy. So do you think that they're... Is the Barcelona magic going to rub off on them or are they going to struggle? I think they're going to get struggle a bit, especially. I would love it to rub off on them. Um, I love watching them play. Um, For me, when I used to play, it's a good while ago now, but we got beaten well by the likes of USA. uh, Other teams put more goals past us. Spain were mean. They didn't give us a touch of the ball, but they're so technical. They're so good to watch. But yeah, in a in a tournament, sometimes that's not good enough. In a league, that's brilliant because you have time to kind of grow into a league and establish patterns of play. This is knockout tournament football and a lot of it could just get physical. And sometimes these games aren't very good games. It's it's more the occasion that makes it rather than the, the quality yeah. of football. So Spain could suffer a little bit from that. You'd imagine Germany being Germany, the most successful European team there ever was. That, But not that successful in recent tournaments as well. No, you would say that that's, they've... That's why it's interesting. I find this group, a little, this is the spiciest group by far. I don't think Finland will feature. We haven't seen much from them in terms of the Euros and their build-up hasn't been fantastic. Denmark are always a little bit sticky, you know, that they'll bank up and they'll frustrate teams. Germany and Spain are just so different. Spain being so technical, Germany being so ruthless. Um it's a really hard one to call. Uh, I, I'd love for Spain to go far in this tournament if mm. they 
play the way we know they can play if the Barcelona magic does rub off. But did I read that Hermosa is injured? Is yeah, she's right? out. I that's a huge that. loss. I mean, yeah, that's massive, massive loss. Like she's the fulcrum of everything there, like so experienced and she would have been a massive leader in that squad. But look, and disappointing just to not see her play. I think that's yeah, the you massively. come into these big tournaments as much as you feel for the players. <laughs> you mm-hmm. feel for yourself too, because yeah. they're the players that make these tournaments. You know, they're the the goals that you remember, the magic. Yeah, and we're not seeing them week in, week out in the WSL the whole time and things like that. So this is your opportunity to see that there are other players beyond the WSL that are absolutely tearing it up. So it is disappointing, but we still have number, uh, was she on number one on your ESPN list? Putellas? No, that was Patelis. Still have Patelis to, to go and watch. So I'm really excited to see how she fares against uh, some of these big defences from, from different countries. Yeah, I had a lot less Barcelona fans in my mentions this year than we did last year for that yeah. list. I, a lot of people were angry at me that there wasn't more Barcelona <laughs> representation, but hey, I wasn't the only voter, so not my fault. Um, group C, we have Netherlands, Portugal, Sweden and Switzerland. Sweden, probably the favourites but for a lot of people. Yeah, in terms of ranking and where they came from in the Olympics. I mean, that was a, an unbelievable showing by them. Obviously, we've I've only seen them, I saw them live in Tallah Stadium at home and then obviously we saw the draw, the historic draw that Ireland got against them in recent times and granted they were already qualified. They didn't set the world on fire in those games, the games no. where I actually watched them. I think if teams took a leaf out of what Ireland did, if they stack back, they don't have kind of like flair players who are going to break it down. They're very solid, they're very good technically and they're very good defensively. So I think they could go really far in the tournament. But if a team wanted to frustrate them, I think that that in the later stages of the tournament, say a lower ranked team comes up against them, I think yeah. they can be frustrated. No, I think so as well. And I do, I've watched them a bit more on the international stage and even just like the Olympics and stuff. I would have watched all their games then. And the way they played against Ireland was just not the way I was accustomed to watching them play. And I remember at the time thinking to myself, is this Sweden? being just like a bit poorer like are Ireland actually putting pressure on a team that are that big and I think it was there was a little bit of both but yeah, I think both, yeah. most of it was that Sweden weren't firing in the way they normally do I mean we talk like week in week out about players like Black Stenius and what she can do she wasn't as on it as she normally is during that game but if you get players like her in her prime and getting the balls in that she wants then that could be make for really exciting and I think uh, a lot of and people. The thing is, when they come up against teams who are of similar ranking, the the cockiness will mean we're not going to change our style of play to stop you. We're going to have the confidence to go out and just apply pressure, and and you'll you'll succumb to us because we're so good. I think that they'll pick teams apart when they do that. I think you do have to be tactically aware against them because they can exploit spaces really well. But when you limit those spaces, I do think they just they do struggle a bit. Whereas Netherlands maybe don't have the same kind of ruthlessness. And we obviously saw that they struggled against England the last day losing 5-1, but they do have some very tricky flair players who could produce a moment of magic. I thought I was seeing things today when I read uh, Vivian Miedema saying that she kind of hopes that England do well in the tournament because it'd be good for the WSL. And I, like, I understood where she was lying. Let's be real here. She's lying. Yeah, I was like, (laughs) what are you saying? Like you've just been beaten by, but also part of me was like, I would rather she just came out. It was like, I'm really annoyed. You know, it's really got our backs up. We're going to go into, but maybe that's just not. Privately. I'm sure that that is the case. I mean, they're the reigning European champions. They don't, 
that will have hurt them. I know it was only a friendly game, um, but no one wants to lose a game like that. And no one wants to lose to England, particularly when you're being talked about as being those top teams. Um, Not 5-1 either. Like it's different if it's... Yeah, like- no, it wasn't fully probably reflective. They did have the chance to go 2-1 up, but it shows... That Lucy Brown's goal was definitely across. No way was it her. <laughs> but it shows like they're... Maybe their their spine isn't as strong as it was four years ago. Um, maybe they don't have the same ruthlessness, and it maybe will leave the door open for a, a shock. Could Switzerland frustrate teams? You never know. I don't think so. I think it still will be Netherlands, Sweden. But um, yeah, it's another another interesting group. Obviously, Portugal wouldn't quite be at the same standards as them. We expect them to be the kind of whipping boys of that group. But yeah, but also there in that one should be some goals in that group. And then finally, we have Group D in Belgium, France, Iceland, and Italy. Italy obviously lost to Spain most recently. France, easily the front runners in that group, I would think. Although I'm kind of interested between like the other three because hmm. I think they're quite sim- they're quite level. Yeah, yeah, and like obviously you have the whole Renaissance yeah. in Italy in terms of I'm oh, sorry Renaissance in Italy. Oh. That's the most like oh, well worked in there. Yeah, yeah, classic thing I could say. <laughs> I swear it wasn't thought out before this. Um, but with their women's team and uh, I saw Emma Ruski in goal had a really good piece today on Juventus and like what they've actually done to build the club up over the last few years and just the way they're managing to keep quite a lot of big players there as well by, you know, the football that they're starting to play, the league turning fully pro it seems like a really exciting time for football there. And I wonder if some of that will rub off on them during the tournament as well. Yeah. And if they did do well, what that could do for the league, like on the flip side would be absolutely massive. They're certainly a developing team. I remember when Ireland used to play them in say things like the Cyprus cup, we were doing well against them, but they've come such a long way since then. Now I don't think they've come a long enough way to compete with the likes of France, but then Belgium and Iceland. We saw Ireland play against Belgium and Iceland this year. That was part of the, the seven-game losing streak. Um, but Iceland were good. Iceland were kind of handled our arses to us in those games, to be fair. And they were well worth their, their wins in those games. So again, they're another team of underdogs you'd love to see do well. We saw it when the men did well and what that did and kind of the small, the whole country getting behind them. It was, it was massive. So I'd love to see one story like that come out of the Euros where an underdog comes through the ranks and gives us something to talk about. And it would be good crack if it was Iceland, such a little country competing with the big dogs. But um, yeah, the, the, the second three there is definitely an interesting matchup. I hadn't really thought about it because I do think France are just going to walk the group, but yeah, we'll be keeping a close eye on on second place in that one. Yeah, well, the the interesting storyline generally with France isn't really the football that they play on the pitch; it's all the stuff yeah. that happens behind it's the scenes. Surely you know. going to be some. Yeah, not bringing uh, on. What is it one of those Amazon Prime documentaries? Yeah, to, <laughs> French international setups, men or women. I know, and, and not even like football either. It could be literally any sport. I think it's anything. Yeah, the just same. Yeah. And again, it's sad to see because you look at the talent of that French team and they could very easily be favourites. But after everything that happened in the World Cup, the fact that so many of the senior players still refuse to play for Corinne Diak, like it just, it takes away, I suppose. It adds in the build-up because you're looking for the juicy gossip, but it also takes away from what you're seeing on the pitch. It definitely takes away. You want the best players there. You want the best teams. You want them all competing. And anything like that does take away from quality of football. 
because this is going to be huge. This is definitely going to be the most viewed Euros that there ever was just because of how much the game has grown even in the last four years. But the professionalism and like you say, the promotion that the FAA have put into it, the fact that it's in England and the WSL has just gone from strength to strength. It's going to be a huge, huge moment for women's football. So you do want everyone putting their best foot forward. And dare I ask you, before we go into the whole thing, don't do it. Win it all. (laughs) Oh, God. Um, Oh, you've thrown me with the England question because they are so, so good, but I can't say it. So I'm going to go with Spain. Okay. I'll take that. Who is it? See, I'm torn between Sweden and England and like I'm a bit like you. I yeah, I just I do think they pull it out in big tournaments and I think that they have that buzz after the Olympics and like they've a lot of exciting new players up and coming. Um I really yeah, I, I have yeah, a I, I think my perception is just skewed because of the Irish team, but maybe we're just good enough. Maybe we are <laughs> maybe we're just that good. But you look at the Swedish league as well and the sort of players, you know, they've they've spent so long in there. They're kind of like almost Ajax or something in the men's yeah. team where they develop these really good players. I mean, we've had players gone over there as well and come back. They've come back better players. Than we've yeah. Been. And yeah. I think sometimes it gets overlooked a little bit. And for a long time they were, you know, before say like the French league, the Italian league, all that started coming up. The Swedish league was kind of one of the world leaders. So oh, it definitely was. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to give it to Sweden, but I, I do think England will be high up there. And if I was less biased on that one, I probably... I hope we're all wrong in Northern Ireland. <laughs> country, <I> just... yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that's us for our first episode back. As I mentioned at the start, we will be with you not once, but twice a week throughout the tournament starting next week. So make sure you're subscribed to the Koi Gig Pod on all your usual spots and you'll get us first thing every morning right after we record once again you have to forgive us for uh, how early in the day we may be getting up to do these or what part of the country I'm going to be as well. That's another exciting thing that we'll get to guess every morning. Um, I'll be right here. (laughs) (laughs) If you have any thoughts or opinions at any point throughout the competition, please do fire them into us at Off The Ball and using the hashtag OTB Koi Gig. Thank you again, Karen, and I'll see you bright and early next week. See you then. The Koi Gig Pod and OTB Sports in association with Cadbury. A player and a half deserves a glass and a half of support.